Strike the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. It is 4.30 p.m. on Monday. Uh, what's the date? January 8th. We are going to, I think, run this on a Tuesday. But... It doesn't matter what day we're running it. The point is, the Ohio State Buckeyes are the national champions. <laughs> they beat Michigan State, Tate. Um, I'm just going to say it right now. I'm doing what UCF did with college football. Mm-hmm. I don't care what happens the rest of the way. Ohio State on Saturday or on Sunday, I'm sorry, won the national title. I'm so excited. The Buckeyes are back. This is all I want to talk about. In fact, Kyle, turn Tate's microphone off. Just Tate, <laughs> Tate, say hello so the people know that you're here, and then we'll turn his microphone off. And I just let me talk about Ohio State. For I now. am here. I'm also going to turn my headphones off, so you can okay, just that's talk, enough. Turn and his, then I'll turn come his, back. Yeah. yeah, turn it off. So, Kata Bates Diop, best player in the country, uh, or is Trey Young better than him? I don't know. Um, here's what I do know: for uh, one, for the first time in a very long time, I'm very excited that Ohio State has a good team, and there are a lot of. A lot of thoughts going through my head, Tate. Number one, um, I'm happy for Thad Mata. A lot of people are are using this game to say this is proof that Thad Mata deserved to be fired, and you know, I, I don't I don't want to revisit that wound. Um, I've kind of gotten over it. He cares, he cares about. I care about this so much more than he does. The man is making three million dollars a year for the next three years to do nothing. He's loving life. He's living in Indianapolis, so I'm not going to care about that. But. This is a man who believed in Kata Bates Diop from the moment he got him onto the campus. This is a man who said, I promise our team next year is going to be good if you just give me a chance. Um, and would you look at that? The team this year is actually good. We actually have a good team. We are not ranked in the AP poll, which is total horseshit. Uh, AP voters know it, but I'm okay with it. We're the underdog. And I'm going to say, it, Tate, we would beat Carolina on a neutral floor. I know <laughs> Carolina just beat us, but that's the move. As you say, that was in the past. That game already happened. That game was, what, a couple weeks ago? Mm-hmm. If they played today, though, these teams today, Ohio State's winning. Wow. Okay, you can talk. I just turned. I'm thirsty. I just plugged my headphones back in. Now I'm back. Uh, I heard a lot of hot air shooting through, but I feel good. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy for the Ohio State Buckeyes. No, hold State on. Buckeyes. Shut up. Stop talking again. Stop talking again. I want to talk again. So Andrew Dockage. I don't talk about Tell me, tell me about Andrew I don't talk Dockage. about Ohio State on here. So what's going to happen is people are going to be like, what do you mean you never talk about Ohio State? That's all you ever talk about on the podcast. First of all, this is a new podcast. Uh, I may have talked about Ohio State on the old podcast, Teed Up, Rest in Peace. But on One Shiny Pod, I don't really mention Ohio State except to remind people that I played at Ohio State. And and people do need to be reminded that I won two big ch- championships and went to the Final Four at Ohio State. Um, I never talk about the Buckeyes because we've been a terrible team. Like we're no Nobody expected anything. We were picked to finish 11th in the Big Ten this year. We are not 11th in the Big Ten. We are number one, baby. It's happening. We're winning the Big Ten. This was supposed to be Michigan State's year, and it's not Michigan State's year. And the best part is, we don't have to play Michigan State again. So even the revenge game, it's it's not coming back. Ohio State is in the driver's seat. We're going all the way. Now you can talk again, Tate. Okay, so Andrew Dockage, first of all, One Shining Podcast <laughs> is now the Ohio State Podcast. It's OSP. It's still going to keep the same initials, so we're, we're going to be fine. Uh, Andrew Dockage hits his half-court shot. He did a great job. You know, he, had a, he has a personal relationship with all the officials in this game. I really enjoyed the Andrew Dockage experience. Right now, gun to your head, Aaron Kraft, Andrew Dockage, who are you going to choose? I think you got to choose oh Dockage at this point. You love him. He's your favorite player. Dockage, listen, how many half-court shots did 
Aaron Kraft hit against the number one team in the country to bring the program back. This was a program win, Tate. We talked about program wins a couple weeks ago on the pod. Nobody really knows what a program win is. This is a program win. Um, those, are, those are the only three points that Dockage scored, by the way. And a lot of people want to make fun of Dockage. I'm going to defend Dockage for a second. A lot of people like to make fun of him. Of Andy course Dockage you are. You love reasons. him. One, because of his father. And his father... <laughs> it, it, they got the, like the LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball situation going on where like Andrew Dockage, nobody knows what his voice actually sounds like, but they kind of don't like the guy because they hate his dad. And by the way, Dan, I know you're listening to this uh, because we're probably going to mention your name in the description of the pod and it'll pop up on your Google alerts. I don't hate you, Dan. I love you. I've always <laughs> loved you. Calm down. I'm saying other people hate you. Um, so people hate Andrew for that reason. Number two, they hate him because like he's limited, but I'm going to say this in his defense. The hardest skill to have as a college basketball player is to know exactly how good you are. Like every every that that is the hardest thing to figure out is to understand exactly how good you are. Andrew Dockich knows exactly how good he is. He never tries to do anything that he can't do, but he also does do things that he can do, and that goes both ways. I mean, like you have guys that 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 try to do way too much and they're not that good. And you're like, Hey, dial it back a little bit. But then there's sometimes guys that, um, you know, are, have a ton of talent and don't realize it and don't play to their potential. The hardest thing for college basketball players is to find that sweet spot to know exactly how good they are. Don't try to do anything more or less. Dockage does that. And, uh, he's actually, he's actually kind of okay. I'm okay with him. Like he's, everyone thinks he's like a punchline, but I don't know. He doesn't really screw up that much. And he, he hit the half court shot, Tate. He's like a punching bag. Breath, you know, man. he knows need, his role. He's going to get punched. He's going to deal with it. He's going to make it happen. Uh, I, I'm yeah. not making fun of Andrew Dockage. I'm just happy that he's your hero. That's all I can say. Um, but the number one team, the big story besides all this Ohio State uh, propaganda that you're putting out to the world is that the number one team in the country was Michigan State. We all assumed, we've said on this podcast, we thought Michigan State was just going to run through the, the terrible Big Ten straight to a title, stay number one all season. But thank goodness the Buckeyes made sure that didn't happen. They get this huge win. And now we're in a predicament because we don't know who the number one team in the nation Who's, is. The AP poll wants you to right. believe it's Villanova. We on this podcast have said plenty of times that it is Villanova. We believe it is Villanova. So we got this whole glut at the top. We got Villanova, Virginia. I think Michigan State's still in the conversation. And then West Virginia, who gets this huge win against Oklahoma. You know, they stopped Trey Young. The Press Virginia's back. They're number two now in the nation. I just want to figure out we're going to do I don't I don't think we can do tiers because you know everyone's doing tiers mm-hmm. now maybe echelons we'll, we'll we'll figure out what the right word is right the, what the right terminology is but basically I want to talk to you about who is the best team in college basketball right now and let's start I mean is Villanova the best team in college basketball in your opinion Villanova has to be right yeah you're, you're going to agree with me of course Villanova's the best team they lost to Butler um when Butler hit 15 threes uh, yep. I mean that's it until until Villanova loses in a, a game, I, we, we we already talked about that game on the pod where the, the dude Jorgensen, Jorgensen, however you pronounce his name, was pulling up from half court with 26 seconds on the shot clock. When these games happen, you, you, you throw the tape away. You say, that game doesn't count. They were hitting shots. We weren't. And you flush it down and it doesn't really matter. I mean, Villanova, they 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 have the complete package. They have a, a, a starting five that's terrifying. They have the best six man in college basketball, maybe. Um Unless Shea Gilgis Alexander keeps playing well for Kentucky, but um, yeah, I mean Villanova to me is the best team. And but but to your point, like this is the talk now is that there are no great teams. This is one of those years in college basketball where there are no great teams. Never mind that. Like what's going to end up happening is that the season's going to play out. We're going to go to the NCAA tournament. 
four teams are going to make the final four like they always do. And then someone's going to decide that one of those four teams was the great team all <laughs> along. And as it turns out, there actually was a great team. And it was the team that ends up winning the national title. And everyone's going to abandon this thought that there's no great teams because this kind of does happen every year. Like the only year that this didn't happen was when Kentucky was going undefeated and Virginia was had their great defense, the 2015 year, mm-hmm. and then Duke won the title. Yep. And, and Wisconsin was good. Everyone's like, okay, we got some great teams here. But um, every other year we do this where we're like, there are no great teams. There are no great teams. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, Tate? But why have we gotten to the point where we expect there to be an undefeated team every single year? That that thing that's the biggest frustration with that because like it's the way that it's covered preseason. It's like oh well, Duke's going to go undefeated this year, so get ready for that. Wichita State may go undefeated this year, so get ready for that. Lock in, strap in for that. So then if they don't, it becomes this major disappointment. And really, it just means we're actually having enjoyable basketball games. And I think that speaks to Virginia. I I, I joked to you before. I, I really do think Virginia, if they're not the best team in the country, and we we give the nod to Villanova. I think Virginia's 1A uh, if we're doing tiers. I think they're right there at the top. Their defense is something we've always known about, that pack line defense. Obviously, I mean, they're the tryhards at the YMCA. They're going to hand check you. They're going to get you out. They're going to force you out beyond the three-point line. They're going to double. They're basically just going to try really hard, and we all we always know Virginia's going to do that. But the difference this year is, and I was just telling you this, they have offense. I mean, they have so much offense. I mean, Ty yes. Jerome is... We love Ty Jerome here on this podcast. I mean, the dude is not afraid to wet a jumper in anyone's face. Kyle Guy, of course, good guy, bad guy. Kyle Guy, Kyle Guy's been great for them. But then it's the other guys. I mean, they have Hunter come off the bench. Uh, I mean, the dude can shoot. He can score. He makes plays. Diakite came into this game against Carolina. Had an awesome game. Made a bunch of plays. I mean, they have Jack Saw, Dolph Lundgren, who's just there, just setting screens and getting easy rebounds. They had so many offensive rebounds against Carolina, and I think that's the difference with this group this year. I think they're going to get a lot more possessions for themselves. And then against Virginia, it's it's a game against the clock. I mean, they basically run the closest thing you can to four corners in today's game where they're going to settle and they're going to get a good shot with six seconds left on the shot clock, and then they're going to shut you down on defense, which is what they've been doing forever. But now they have the athletes to match on offense. If I'm any team and I have to play Virginia and I know we make fun of them in the tournament, they've only made the one Elite Eight. I just think that they are fully, it, I mean, to lose Parentes last year and then come back with this team and, you know, Shayok transfers to Iowa State, you think they're going to take a down year or, or regress a little bit? But no, it, it's Cal Guy, Ty Jerome, and the rest of the guys around him. Devin Hall, I don't know. I, I was super impressed with Virginia. Um, Isaiah Wilkins is going to hit this 15-footer every single time. He's what we wish Tom Welsh was, but he's not. Um I, I'm all in on Virginia, and it's not just because they just beat the you-know-what out of Carolina. It's because I watch that team play, and it looks like a different beast. They're just more athletic, and they Dude, get rebounds. Was, no, that was that was beautifully done, the way you gassed them up to make Carolina's loss <laughs> look that much better. Uh, that was masterfully done there, Tate. And by the way, everyone listening is thinking, when are you guys going to get to the Carolina? Because those are the two stories on this podcast. One, that Ohio State is winning the national championship, that, that Chris Holtman's national coach of the year, Katie bates Diop, probably a first-team All-American, <laughs> probably national player of the year. Um, that was the one story coming out of the weekend. The other is that Carolina's lost two in a row. Hey, don't worry. We're gonna, b- we, b- before we, we jump into we, the Carolina talk, I will say this. Kata Bates-Diop, they, they were making a little run, Michigan State. They, they had this little, it was like with eight minutes left in the game where you're getting that weird grace period where like, hey, maybe they might make a comeback. Like Langford hit a three. Then he hit this like ridiculous turnaround jumper. Dockage dribbles, dribbles it off his foot. And then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh my God, is, is Michigan State going to make a run here? Uh, they've cut it to like 17. Maybe they're going to make a run. You know how you tuck yourself into that. And they come back down Ohio State and Kata Bates-Diop runs like, the simplest give and go on the baseline and then has this just huge yeah. tomahawk dunk and it was like okay 
well, there's the game. And that's how I know Keita Bates-Diop is a star because a lot of people would have panicked, and he was like, no, nah, I'm just going to do a quick give and go on the baseline and just yam it on this dude. Dude, he's... You realize he's like 6'9 with like a 7'5 wingspan. Oh, he's an NBA like the dude player. dude is Kevin Durant at the college level. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's going to... If he continues on this trajectory, he is going to be like a top 20 pick. And that, my He's friends, incredible. Is, a, is a genius deflection from Carolina Talk by by yours truly. That was that was beautifully done. But anyway, <laughs> to finish my thought, all the fans wondering why I'm not grilling you, I'd just like to point out that we still have a, a certain segment called Good Guy, Bad Guy, Kyle Guy that's coming up. So uh, let's just pump the brakes. We'll, we'll get to the Carolina stuff soon enough. In the meantime... Um, yeah, Virginia. I, coming into this year, I I've loved Virginia. Not not to brag, I was the first national media guy to say like, "Hey, everybody, you're saying Virginia's boring and is ruining college basketball." But what about this? Consider this: What if instead of ruining college basketball, they were actually good and they were <laughs> actually fun to watch? Have you thought about that? And I said that way back in like 2014. I want to say mm. I was on that mm. bandwagon. Um, and. So, but coming into this year, I say that to say that, like, coming into this year, I when I say that I wasn't really high on Virginia, it wasn't because I don't like Virginia. I love their style of play. I love their program, but I just I didn't realize that they had this many athletes and they were this deep. Like, who was the dude? I'll be honest, I've only watched like three Virginia games, and um, I I, I don't know the team that well. Who was the dude that dunked on Joel Berry? Hunter. Yeah, that was DeAndre Hunter, sophomore. Who's this guy? He, exactly. He just, who, he literally. Where did this guy come from? He's a second year guy and he's just off the bench and he, he's unbelievable. That, that Their whole team is like that. As, as they were putting in their second unit, I'm like, well, how is their bench better than Carolina's bench? You know, all these guys. They, I mean, Diakite could be a star. He had some huge blocks in that game. And and no one, Virginia, no, yeah. Virginia. Everyone knew their starting Virginia's five. Virginia's very good. Yeah. So I think Villanova's the best team in the country. I, uh, West West Virginia is interesting. Do you want to do? Should we? I feel like we're uh, not giving enough time to some of these games. But like, do, should we talk about West Virginia, Oklahoma? Yeah. Let's, let's skip over West. We'll get we'll get back to that in a second. So I think West Virginia is up there. Michigan State, I still think is okay. I think Michigan State's. Th- this was a manufactured adversity game from Tom Izzo. Um, I I brought this up when I was out in LA with you when when uh when he was getting into it, Nick Ward, and that just reeked of desperation. This reeked of Tom Izzo manufactured adversity. That move, um, and then he and then he ends up backtracking. He's like, actually, I I love Nick Ward. We love each other. And I told you something else was going to come, Tate. I told you Tom Izzo was going to find a way to like submarine the season. So then that way, mm. Michigan State could rally at the right time. That was that was what happened on Sunday. It was like but, he he just threw in the towel. They, but, they show him like Ohio State goes on a twenty two run, and they're showing Izzo on the sidelines, and he's crossing his arms and just kind of like he's got the look of like the old school coaches do, where they're just like you figure it out. They, they say that to their players, like I'm not gonna save you. Screw that. I'm not calling timeout. Screw it. You figure it out. Um, he he threw his guys to the wolves, and he did it on purpose. He got he got a tech in the first half over some bullshit. Like it was pretty obviously like a. I think the man was like trying to get tossed. I think he wanted to get tossed in the first half, and he realized that was probably pretty stupid. And then he backed off and just kind of sat there and let his guys get killed. So I think Michigan State's going to be fine. Well, you know why that happened, right? They had the Maryland game, and the Maryland game is a clinic. They beat the you know what out of Maryland. And he, I'm going to come back to Maryland because that's going to be my, you know, that's a little tease. Could be a good guy of the week, but who knows if he even is a good guy. But Michigan State beats hmm, Mark Turgeon in Maryland by so much. They win by 30. They have this great sideline scene where, like, Nick Ward dives for a ball and the whole bench is, like, yep. pumped up, jumping up and down. And, and, you know, this is last Thursday that this game happens against Maryland. They win by 30. So the team gets too high, Titus. That's what it is. They got too people high. Are talking, people they got are talking. too confident. Is, is about Michigan them, State yeah, sweeping the are whole thing? Are they going undefeated? Yes, exactly. Yep. So that 
happens. Everyone gets too excited. Nick Ward's probably, you know, talking to the team, talking about how they're going to do that. And then Tom Izzo just has to remind them. So I believe in this theory that he had to humble his team by losing to Ohio yeah. State. The The biggest thing that happened this weekend that was surprising to me was that Jay Sean Tate and Nick Ward did not get an actual fist fight in this game. And, and, and that was kudos to Jay Sean Tate for avoiding it because Nick Ward was pretty hell-bent on fighting him in this game. And uh, it just didn't How happen. How fun was it? It was so fun watching Caleb Weston and Nick Ward like sumo wrestle in the paint all game. <laughs> yeah. and they're just throwing their bellies up against each other. Those dudes are both from Columbus. They know each other yeah, well. They're I like the Ohio. Banging, banging like, bellies together. Him coming back to Ohio, like a team that he could have played for. And you know he was probably saying some stuff like, I don't play on no second-tier team. I'm playing at a blue blood program, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. I think Mich- Nick, Nick Ward is number one on my list to get in a fight before the end of the season. He, he's top spot. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. He's he's and and that could go either way. He could fight with someone on the other team. He could fight with his own team. Yeah. Nobody really knows. Just a fight. <laughs> he's going to get in a fight. He could fight with Izzo. Um, Miles Bridges mm. playing out of position. I yes. just I just want to bring that back up again. We, I, uh, we continue I had, to I had two to very say strong that. takes. I had two very strong takes after watching Michigan State in the Champions Classic. My first one was that Tum Tum Naren should be getting more minutes and he should be playing point guard over Cassius Winston. I'm going to walk that one back. (laughs) Mm. Tum Tum Nairn got, I've never seen someone get crossed over like he did in that game. He fell down. I mean, like he was literally 13 yards away from the play by the time he finished the crossover. I'm going to walk that one back. Just a, just a, just a skosh, just a skosh. I'm going to walk that one back. (laughs) But the, uh, the other one was that Miles Bridges is out of position and I'm, I'm doubling down on that one. Yeah. He's, he's just jacket. He jacks threes up. He doesn't really know what to do. The, The Michigan state's half court offense against Ohio state was, uh, was uninspiring to say the least. Um, and th- that was a little weird too. Like Michigan state had to get out in transition. Like that was, I, I, there's like two Michigan state teams. There's the one that, that plays like North Carolina where they just try mm-hmm. to beat guys up the floor and use their athleticism and run and gun. And then there's like the old school Michigan state from like the, the mid two thousands era when they had like drew Neitzel and they would just put drew Neitzel with like three big guys setting illegal screens and run them off screens and, <laughs> They were just slow, methodical Big Ten basketball mm-hmm. and out rebound guys, and it's so weird to watch them like kind of not have an identity. I feel like this team kind of like goes back and forth on which Michigan State team they want to be, and I, I I need them to be the first team where they're just they're so much better than everybody that they just run the floor and um, get out in transition and dunk on people and and that sort of thing because the half court shit was not working for them. But I don't know. It, well, absolutely. Anyway, I I, I think they'll be fine. I, my the only thing with the Michigan State offense right now is that what they were doing this game in their half court offense. Miles Bridges only has one spot on the floor where he can shoot a three and it goes in. It's like right to the right side of the semicircle, and it's like you know two feet behind the three point line. It's the same shot. He he switched it late in the second half in that game, and it's the opposite. Like LeBron's on the left side. That's where he likes to take his three. But it, you, both those guys, they have one spot where they can take a three and it goes in. And if they're not there, it's like they've taught themselves exactly how to shoot that distance. But if they're not there, it's just a yeah. brick. So maybe he should stop shooting threes. And we've said that since the start of the season. He is a four man. I think they got to put Jackson at the five, Bridges at the four, and uh, you know do the po- two point guard thing, which we that's said. You, we said that at the that's start. That's how you of the get season. the Nick Ward. That's how you get the Nick Ward fight right there. Is put tell have somebody Six videotape man. Tom Izzo telling Nick Ward he has to come <laughs> off the bench. And yes, then that's that's how you get your fight. Yes. Um. Wait, I think Matt McQuaid so, should be the one that tells him. And just see what happens. <laughs> and then he falls down as Nick Ward goes to punch him because <laughs> yeah. it's just a natural. It's like the Matrix. Matt McQuaid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I think Nova is um, Nova's the best team. Michigan State's still in the conversation. Uh, West Virginia, I, 
I can't buy West Virginia as the best team in the country yet, even though they did beat Oklahoma and mm-hmm. they look good against Trey Young. Um, who who else is up there for you? I think Xavier is up there. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say Purdue as a team that should be up there. I don't really Purdue. buy Purdue. Purdue's yeah. the one. We should talk about Purdue. Purdue fans are going to kill me. I have not. <laughs> I have not. We have not mentioned Purdue much on this podcast. Um, Purdue. The first thing I want to say about Purdue is this: they have an insane. Um, what's the word? <laughs> they have an insane uh marketing department i guess at purdue but it's not just the marketing department at purdue it's like the fans like uh, just go on any the college basketball reddit and like half the people that are active on there are purdue fans and you, you go on like like i swear the only people i talk to on twitter are purdue fans anything i tweet is like what about purdue man what about purdue and part of it is like purdue is having a pretty good year and i i guess purdue fans are just coming out of the woodwork but i grew up in indiana like there are not that many purdue fans out there I don't understand this. Like, why Why are so many Purdue fans so prominently online? And and then, like, the Purdue social media, like, the actual um, Purdue accounts, they're insane. Like, the, the guys that run those accounts are great. They always have, like, great graphics and great stats. Like, whoever runs that shit is is, is very smart with that stuff. They, they have, like, the billboards in West Lafayette with the Edwards and Edwards law firm. Mm-hmm. I'm not really I, – I think there's, like, some sort of conspiracy going on with Purdue where, like – there's like this media attack where the fans and the program have like rallied together and they said, this is going to be the year that we get everyone to push Purdue to the number one ranking. And th- and they're pretty close so far. To, and do you that's think, my first thought. Do you think Vincent Edwards is in the conversation for Naismith National Player of the Year? I feel like, I mean, not to say that he has a chance to win it, but I think that he will be in the conversation, right? I mean, he's been, he's had a Vin, few double doubles. I mean, he's pretty much 20. He's not even. Yeah. No, it's Keita Bates D up, dude. He's not even the best player <laughs> in his conference. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, he's good. Purdue, like, so my problem with Purdue, and I, I've, I've said this before, is is that, first of all, Purdue is a very good team. Purdue could win the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Purdue could get a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I think there's an obvious talent ceiling to Purdue, and we, we, we said this before the last time we talked about them, is that they just – it's hard to describe. It's it's obviously arbitrary and um, very convenient for me to say this because I don't have like data to back it up. But when I watch them, I just like Vince Edwards, the, the Edwards brothers who aren't actually brothers. Carson and Vince. Yeah. Them, the Edwards I was trying to think of another team that had like two guys with the same last name that weren't related. You know, like yeah. Russell Wilson and Luke Wilson. You know, just something like that yeah. where it was like two guys that are the stars, but they're not. I don't know. Couldn't think of anything at the top of my head. Yeah, I think those two good those those two dudes are fun to watch. Haas is obviously very good. Harms is like re, the the other seven footer that they have that spells his name H A A starts his last name. Um, he's 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 good. He's he's like a, he brings a ton of energy. Um, but I I just like I I guess it's I it's it's hard for me to get past the fact that like there are no obvious NBA players. There's like nobody on that team that I would say five years from now is definitely going to be playing in the NBA. I mean, Edwards is the obvious pick. Yeah. If you're going to pick somebody, but, but let me just tell um, you this. I just can't get around that. If I'm Isaac Haas and I see Mason Plumlee playing in the NBA, I mean, sign me up. I could do that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Come on. Haas can do so, that. So there, we, we talked about Purdue. That's enough. That's enough Purdue <laughs> talk. Um, I think that's the group what, though. Who else we have? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just trying to think of like teams that are actually in conversation to be the top team. I mean, there's obviously some outliers. I mean, Oklahoma probably would have been in there until they went to West Virginia and lost. Xavier is a team that you have to throw out there just because of you know the amount of games they've won. I mean, I kind of like some of the the sleeper teams that are on the back end of that. I mean, even though Arizona has four losses, I think that they could be in the conversation by the end of the year. Obviously, we we've mentioned that before. Seton Hall is a team I don't think that we've covered really at all. 
But they're, they're, that 2014 recruiting class that had Isaiah Whitehead in it, and obviously Whitehead left and yeah. went to the NBA. But like Desi Rodriguez, Delgado, Whitehead, that 2014 recruiting class for Seton Hall, I mean, they're like coming on the back end of that. They're all veterans now. That's a team you probably don't want to play in the tournament because they're really good. I'm not saying they're the number one team in the country, but they look really good. Texas Tech, I don't know how they're in the top 10, but I mean, they've obviously had some great wins. Texas Tech is good. Yeah, they're a team um, to watch out for. But I mean, that that's about it. I mean, I think it's so really Nova, Virginia, Michigan State. There are two different questions to ask. One is who who is the best team now? Who deserves the one the number one ranking now? Et cetera, et cetera. The other is which teams, if we're looking towards the NCAA tournament, are you buying stock in? Mm-hmm. As the are you buying more stock in right now? Um, and I still think like for me, it's still going to come down to four teams that I'm. I think if if you if you do a thing where and this is arbitrary, I, I made up this exercise just right now. If you did a thing where you're like you have to pick four teams to win the national title, and if one of those four wins, you win. If not, you lose. Um, the four I would take are Nova, Michigan State, Duke, and Arizona. Mm. Um, those are the four I'm taking. So. We're, we're we're gonna should we we'll, we'll talk about Duke in a, in a bit. Well, the, but, uh, I would say I would agree with those four, but for me, it's Nova, Virginia, Michigan State, Duke. Those are my four. You have Virginia instead of Arizona. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Arizona a lot. I just don't. Yeah, I, I trust Virginia. At the end of the day, if Virginia's not shooting well, I think that they could win with their defense. If Arizona's not scoring the ball and not getting up and down, I can see them losing to a lot of teams. Yeah. You see, Sean Sean Miller uh, did the uh, Calipari. How do I reach these kids? <laughs> yeah. How do I reach how do these I re- kids? The, the, the Carmento. How do I reach these He's, kids? He doesn't know how to reach his kids. He, he like he pretty much word for word said that, didn't he? Like I I don't know how to reach these kids or something. <laughs> and, and let's be honest. I mean, Sean Miller. I mean, we, we haven't talked about it in a while, but I mean, there's a lot coming to Sean Miller. I, I would assume. I think he has a lot more things to worry about than reaching these kids. Um, he's got to reach. Yeah. He's got to reach these bags. For first, before he reaches any kids, uh, dude, that, a lot going that's on. That's a great segue. Let's let's take a break and then uh, get it. Speaking of bags, let's get into the uh, let's get into the bags. Oh, Marvin Bagley. <laughs> Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used SeatGeek to buy tickets to the Lakers-Hawks game. That was interesting. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on the SeatGeek app with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code OSP today. That's promo code OSP for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. 
All right, Titus. This is uh, I, I we we've been teasing this the whole time. You've been super jacked to talk about it. We're gonna do our favorite segment: good guy, bad guy. No Kyle guy this week, even though he had a nice win on Saturday. We're gonna let him uh, hang out by himself. We're gonna keep it. Eh, keep, hold on. Let's keep it traditional. I, I don't have any Kyle guys unless you do. Do you have any Kyle guys? I have Kyle guys. So uh, I'm gonna merge mine together. I'm gonna go first for my good guy, and I'm gonna make my good guy and my Kyle guy the same guy. Oh man. Um, Let's talk about Roy Williams State. Let's talk as about my it. good guy of the week. Oof. Roy Williams has lost two games in a row. Uh North Carolina is only ranked because they are North Carolina. Um, and they're defending national champions. They lose to Florida State with Ted Valentine turns his back to Joel Berry. And uh classic classic North Carolina move to lose at Florida State, is it not? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean there's been so many and, moments of Florida State where, like, I mean, I remember when Ty Lawson hit the three, the the 2.8 seconds on the clock, sprints down, hits a three to win 73 to 70. They've had great moments. Either it's a miraculous shot to win or just a defeating loss. And when Ted Valentine's at the game and he's turning his back on, you know, one of the, one of two guys to ever score 20 points in a national title game besides Bill Walton, when you turn your back on that that guy and show no respect, that you deserve to wait, retire, what? Ted. Yeah. Hold on. Joel, oh wait, what? Let's 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 go back. Joel Berry is one of two guys to score twenty points in a national title game. Twenty points or more, twice. Bill Walton. Oh, twice. Joel Berry. You said twice. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. I I thought you were saying once. I was like, that cannot possibly be true. <laughs> no one has scored more than twenty points in a national title game. Wait, holy shit! Is that true? <laughs> wait, what? Uh, so. Roy, Roy's my good guy for two reasons. Number mm. one, North Carolina looks like they're headed back to the NIT, like I thought at the beginning <laughs> of the year. Um, as it turns out, I've I've gone back and forth on that. Like just last week, I was saying I can't believe I thought they were going to the NIT. Uh, now I'm back to thinking they're going to the NIT. Good guy move from Roy Williams. Number two, he did not throw his walk-ons to the Wolves this time at Florida State like he did a couple years ago. Um, I'll never forget that. You remember it. I remember it. We'll always remember it, Tate. When uh, Carolina was about to have the court stormed, and Roy Williams basically makes his entire starters. He pulls the entire team off the floor, throws in five walk-ons, and then they all go to the locker room and they get trampled. Well, genius play. That, that, that was, that's not a knock. That was Roy, right? Yeah, that was a great great play by Roy. He had to protect his players. We were trying to win a title at that time. Unbelievable. <laughs> so talk about talk about uh, uh, Carolina. I'm going to do the media thing where I say talk about and then just let you go. But uh, talk, about, talk about North Carolina. Why well, should we believe in them? Well, Tell us why. They're not going to the NIT again because if if I think you have to agree if Carolina and Ohio State played today if you did a rematch <laughs> I think well you set the line Ohio State minus nine and a half probably yeah but it, uh, let's be honest right now I mean that Ohio State win against Michigan State gives Carolina another resume win which is nice beat them on a neutral court that's a good thing uh, I think this Carolina team right now is at, at a loss and I mean as much as it's been a great thing to have Cam Johnson come back for Carolina. You know, this guy's used to losing. You know, he's the only person on the team that's ever lost three games in a row. And, of course, he did that at Pittsburgh with Stallings. But all that's to say is I'm not sure what's going on with the the chemistry of the team. They're not running anymore. I mean, the whole point of Carolina basketball is to get in the primary break. They can't seem to get in the primary break. Virginia scored 25 points off turnovers on Carolina. And they had like 19 turnovers in the game. They had zero points themselves off turnovers. That's what Carolina wins with offensive rebounding. 
playing good defense when they decide to, and basically getting points off turnovers in the fast break. I mean, that's how they win basketball games, and that's not what they're doing right now. Uh, you know, Theo, I love him to death. He's been a little bit out of it. I mean, just basically <laughs> you're having some terrible turnovers, like some stuff you've never seen before. And I got to say this. I mean, Garrison Brooks, this guy's a freshman. I've never seen a freshman at Carolina get treated with such... I mean, he's like Roy Williams is so nice about the kid. Like he doesn't say anything bad about him. When Bryce Johnson played like this as a freshman, Roy just lost his mind on him. Like what he does with Jaleek Felton all the time now, but he doesn't do it to Garrison. The the, the right because Roy's a good guy. Well, That's the point. The whole secret sauce to Carolina's season is right now they're trying to play a traditional lineup and they got to change. Roy's got to change. He's got to enter the new era. He's got to start Theo Pinson at the four. Luke May at the five, Cam Johnson at the three, Kenny Williams at the two, Joel Berry at the one. That's got to be the starting five. That's their quote-unquote oh, yeah. death lineup. And uh, if they don't do that pretty soon, they're going to, you know, obviously I'm gonna probably counter. be a five seed and, it, you know, it'll be over. I'm going to counter with this thought. There, There's no such thing as a death lineup for this North Carolina team. Hey, that's a death lineup. The, the problem... <laughs> The problem that North Carolina has today is the same problem I thought they were going to have in October when I was, when I couldn't tell if I was serious or not when I said they were going to go to the NIT. They don't have talent, Tate. Oh, this come is a on. They got the national Joel player. Joel is the, the, the most outstanding player the from the NCAA tournament. Trust. Come on. Right. Who else do you trust? Uh, the, Who else do you honestly trust? Kenny like, Williams. Luke May was great. Like, well, see, that's the do problem. You really trust Kenny Williams? Yeah, I do. Uh, but Luke May is the problem right now, and I and we have a Luke May problem. The brows. It, it was fun when we were browsing around with him. <laughs> it, was it, fun. It, it was like being on a web browser. You're just having fun. You're searching for things. You're learning things. You're having a good time. But eventually, you get a virus, and we got the virus. We got the Luke virus. What? We keep feeding him oh. the ball as if he's the number one option on offense. The guy can't even post anyone up in the ACC. He's not the option. Joel Berry is your primary option. Kenny Williams is your secondary option. And from there, just play Carolina basketball. Luke May doesn't need the Tyler Hansbrough treatment. We don't need to get him the ball every single time. That's oh. the problem, Mark Titus. Did you just did you just do a segue from Luke May and his eyebrows to a web browser to viruses on the that was incredible. Incredible podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's we got caught up with the browse. We've been browsing around too much. Oh um, you gotta get back to it. No, I Listen, in, in all honesty, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to piss you off at all. I'm I'm being 100% serious. I just I <laughs> North Carolina has the same problem that like if I'm being consistent that I had with Purdue. Is like I don't I don't think North Carolina has a ton of talent. That's a problem to me. I I trust Joel Berry, Kenny Williams, I I halfway trust. Luke May, like I'm losing trust very quickly. Yes, Theo, as am I. you know how I feel about him. You know how I feel about Theo. And I don't I I don't trust a single guy on the rest of the team. So basically Joel Berry has to play well for this team to win, which is fine because most of the time Joel Berry does play well. But I mean, you're not you're not going to a Final Four with that sort of team. And and by the way, if you're a Carolina fan, calm down. Who cares? You you've gone to two national ch- titles in a row. You won the last one. Do you really need to go to the Final Four? Take can we can we have a year off from Carolina? No, we can't. We we got to figure this thing out. We got to get some rebounds. <laughs> Put in Sterling Manley for God's sakes. Uh, my good guy of the week is. And I, we they actually changed this. I had originally Bobby Hurley because Bobby Hurley, you know, he had this great run. We got him up to number four in the country, Arizona State. They were the last team that was undefeated in the country. They go on this losing streak. They lose to Colorado. Everyone's freaking out about it. But the reason that Bob Hurley cannot be a good guy, Mark Titus, is because he came out, calls out the officials in true Duke fashion and blames them for his losses and, you know, and, and points points the finger. And for that, you can't be a good guy when you blame the officials and you don't take responsibility for your Bobby own losses. Bags. That's why he's Bobby Bags. He'll stay a bad guy. So now my good guy is Mark Turgeon, uh, 
Maryland's own Mark Turgeon. What is going on with the Maryland basketball program? We got to figure this thing out. Ever since Turgeon took them to the Big Ten with the Under Armour money and everything, I mean, they've just been, I mean, I wouldn't say atrocious. I mean, they've obviously had some moments. You know, the 15 season was pretty good for them. I think they ended up the season like 12th in the country or something. But Maryland basketball used to be a perennial powerhouse every single year. And they used to be, obviously, in the ACC. I thought when they made the jump to the Big Ten, that would actually give them a better chance to be good and be relevant. They've squandered that opportunity. My good guy of the week is Mark Turgeon. And I'm going to say it, Mark Titus, Maryland deserves better. And I don't know what the better option is. I don't know who comes back. I wish Lefty Giselle could coach them again. Uh, they, they just look terrible. I mean, that Michigan State game, I watched that whole game. And I know it's hard to, to make a, you know, a judgment call off watching that one game. And Michigan State obviously played great in that game. But Maryland has just been irrelevant. I mean, even when they are good, when they had Trimble and, and, and Suleiman and all those guys, Layman. I mean, they, they've had all these players that have gone through the program, but they've done nothing. I'm just Mark Turgeon, good guy of the week. Someone figured out what's going on with Maryland basketball. It Did, sounds like, hold on. It's, I'm it sounds like you're right not now. saying Mark Turgeon. Yeah, he's, you're, you're not saying he's good guy of the week. You're saying he's like good guy of the last five years. He's been a good you're guy. You're not just doing good guy of the week. No, he's, yeah. he's been well, a good I'm, guy. And I've been waiting for him. Like, uh, the whole point is, I thought he was a bad guy. I thought he, I thought he was getting all these guys, and I thought he was going to make them good. And you know, I've seen Alex Lynn go through that program. You know, I, I've seen obviously, you know, Suleiman transfer there to try to win a title. I've seen Robert Carter there. I mean, these are NBA quality guys, and they don't do anything. They don't do anything. See, and, and Mark Turgeon, funny like, like I'm not even turning on Mark Turgeon. He's a disciple of Roy Williams. I, if, if there's anyone that I'm going to try to hope for and hope he does well, it's Mark Turgeon. But. My God. I mean, he's looking like a turgeon sandwich right now. That's what he looks like. They got to figure it out. <laughs> wow. Uh, the season. Okay. So I'll get behind you. The, the season. Um, but Suleiman was on the team. He was only there for one year, right? Yeah. He transferred like, there. Suleiman. Yeah. Suleiman. Uh, Mellow Trimble. Mm -hmm. Robert Carter. They Robert, had, Carter. Uh, Robert Carter. Uh, Diamond Stone. Yep. That team, I thought, I think that was 2016, 2015, 16. That was 2015. Yeah, 2015. Well, no, because Suleiman left the Duke national title team in the middle of the season and went to Maryland, and then the next year is when he played at Maryland. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, so it was like the 25. So going into the 2015 2016 season, mm -hmm. I thought Maryland was the best team in the country. I thought they should have been preseason number one, and they were absolute garbage that year. That's probably a little strong, but they were like. It was very, very disappointing but tight, what they did that year. Titus, so. the best game they played in that entire season was when they were ranked number two. They went to Chapel Hill to play Carolina, who had Marcus Page and the team that lost in the title game. That was ranked number one. This is a ACC Big Ten challenge, huge game, trying to get revenge for their new Big Ten homies that they just went to join. And they played a great game, and they could have easily won that game. I can't remember what the final score was, but I feel like it was like 86-81 or something. You know, it was like a back-and-forth game, and Carolina pulled away at the end. And they could have won that game, and they had momentum, and you would think they were going to win the Big Ten this year, that year, and you know they just completely blew it. And I don't understand. You know like Mark Turd has been there since 2011, and he has nothing to really to show for it. And I've heard all these people say how great of a coach he is. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he is, but watch him on the sideline. He's like Gary Williams with all the frustration, but none of the success. And I just don't know what you do with that if you're Maryland. So he's my good guy of the week, possibly good guy of the past you three know, years. Uh, Mark Turgeon, congratulations. You know what's funny, though, is that even as you're even as you're making this case, like I, I find myself not really caring. And I guess that speaks <laughs> to your point. Is that like we should I, care. I don't really care about Maryland. Yeah, we but should yeah, care. Yeah, we should care, I guess. Like I haven't I haven't found myself I cared about Maryland for that 
that first month of the 2015-16 season, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Maryland is back. They're finally they finally matter in the Big Ten. And yeah, so I guess I'm with you. Cause I don't even have I don't I don't agree. I don't disagree. I'm indifferent. And that's a sad state of affairs, I guess, for Maryland basketball. Bring yeah. back the Terps. We need the Terps to come back. All right, let, let's do let's do bad guys. Um, my bad guy of the week is Tad Boyle, Colorado head coach. Um beats Arizona State, the Darlings, the the new Northwestern of college basketball, as as we've said. You you tried to make Bobby Bags your good guy. That was your initial pick for good guy of the week. Uh, Arizona State was riding high. Then they go to Colorado, um, lose at Colorado on Pac-12 Network. Nobody saw the game, so uh, I guess maybe it didn't actually happen. Um, two days later, they beat Arizona. So they swept Arizona Stool State, the two best teams probably in the Pac-12. I don't think probably. I think they definitely are the two best teams in the Pac-12. Yep. Uh, Tad Boyle, Colorado swept them. And... If I'm being honest, I should probably credit the altitude more than Tad Boyle. <laughs> I was going to say, um, this is hashtag blame the altitude. Uh, it, it's always the altitude's fault. You just can't breathe up there. This is a, for those who don't know, um, the mountain trip, the, the way the Pac 12 works, which I want to get your thoughts on this, Tate. The Pac 12 travel schedule is such that you have a travel partner, it's, it's, the t- it's pretty much the team that's closest to you in the Pac 12, and you go travel to a, a, a another travel partner's destination. So like if you're the Arizona teams, you go to the Washington schools and you play the Washington schools on like a Thursday and then you flip and play the other Washington school on a, on a Saturday or Sunday or Mm -hmm. whatever. And um, so first of all, that's how the PAC 12 does it, which is like, it's absurd that 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 seems like they used, they, they, they put that system in place in the 1950s when, when traveling (laughs) was impossible. When you had to rely on train schedules, that's when that happened. Yeah. And you were like, you're like, well, since we're already in, since we're already by the bay, we might as well play Cal and Stanford <laughs> while we're up here. Like that was the rationale behind it, and they're still doing it in 2018. Um, but the point is, since since Utah and Colorado have joined the Pac-12, uh, that that trip where teams go to Utah and Colorado and play them twice, and they play both those games within like a three three day span, it's like impossible to sweep, and it's the weird. It's if you don't really think about it too much, it's like the weirdest thing in college basketball, how Utah and Colorado, who are two programs that aren't really that, I mean, Utah is, has a decent program, Colorado, not so much. Um, they they haven't really been super relevant nationally and they always find a way to, to upset Pac-12 teams. And it's, it's like this monstrous trip that just becomes impossible because you're playing two games in like a 48 hour span in the mountains of elevation. And um, it's become like one of my favorite favorite things in college basketball from being honest yeah no i mean i i totally believe in that i mean i i honestly as i saw colorado beat both the arizonas i just immediately thought it was the altitude and not todd tad boyle um but tad boyle is a great example the dude gets hired by mark turgeon that's how he gets his first job at oregon and now he becomes a bad guy and gets starts winning all these games and mark turgeon still being a good guy so congrats to tad boyle for believing in the system and believing in bags and uh good for him great pick uh, yeah by the way i i Colorado and Utah never show up on the best home courts in college basketball list. And they should, because I've, I've always had this argument that like when you, when you come up with the best schools or the best home court advantages, um, too much weight is put onto the good teams. Like mm-hmm. teams, people will say like Duke, Duke has a great home court advantage. Are we sure Duke has a great home court advantage or do they just win at home because they're Duke and they're really good and they just beat everybody everywhere is my question. So my point is like, Look at the teams that are great at home and terrible away from home, and those are the teams that have the real home court advantage. 
So let's get Colorado and Utah on some of these uh on some of these lists. And check out, you know, know, and check out Vanderbilt too. I mean, that's another team that's like that. And I was going to say, I mean, Cameron Indoor, I mean, it is a home court advantage. I mean, they turn the heat on. It's like 140 degrees in there. <laughs> Here we go. I mean, Here it, we go. <laughs> it is it is a cheating way to win at home, but uh, you know, regardless, that that's for that's for another bad guy that we won't discuss this week. Uh, are, are you ready for my bad guy of the week? Um I don't know. Do you want to talk about Arizona? Should we use the Tad Boyle thing to talk about Arizona a little bit? Yeah, why not? And, you know, and I, I, yeah, it, it's worth it. We should jump well, in on Arizona. What's I'm, going I'm, on there? I'm bringing it up to ask you this. Like, do you think, um, do you fear Arizona? Because we, we kind of glossed over them a little bit when we were talking about, like, who the best teams in the country are. I, I mentioned them. You said that you didn't, you said that you would put Virginia in there instead of Arizona. Um what what do you think the problem with Arizona is? Yeah, no, my problem with Arizona is not that I, I I think they easily have the talent to win. I just watched them play a lot. It seems like a lot is on Trier to figure out. I mean, I love Hawkins being back, but he's I don't know. I just can't I can't trust that team. And I've seen them blow leads in the tournament. I I just there's no way that you can convince me to buy into Arizona again right now. I mean, Aiton's unbelievable. I mean, that Arizona State game was awesome. I mean, I think he had 23 and 19, or he might have even had 23 and 20. Uh, he was awesome in that game. Trier was great, but that's the formula. And, it, and there's a lot of pressure on Jackson Cartwright to get other people involved and to try to run the offense. He plays a lot of minutes. I, I don't really trust him. It, it's... I, I don't know. When I look at that Arizona team, I'm scared of Aiton, obviously. Trier's a great guard, but I don't see the depth on that team. I mean, what they have like a six-man rotation. Uh, I mean, th- that's pretty much it. I think Randolph that's comes true. in. The, and, and then besides that, like who else is going to come in and scare you? I mean, Barcello or whatever his name is or Smith. I mean, there's just there, there's no one on that bench where I'm scared of. And if you're playing that Arizona team and Trier's having an off night or Aiton gets in foul trouble, I mean, what are you? You're, I mean, you really have nothing. They have to. They have to get rid of Ristich. They have to bring Ristich off the bench. Yeah. Not get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, not get not get, get not cut him, him. But yeah, bring him off the bench. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. Like, cut his ass. <laughs> um, they got to bring him. Off. Like Aiden. Aiden is so so good. And I I feel like Sean Miller is doing a disservice to college basketball as a whole by not letting Aiden just. It, they should be playing four round one with Aiden, because you you watch what they're doing with Aiden and he's just, I don't know. I'm getting frustrated thinking about it. He's just like, he's limited by what he can do when you got another seven footer clogging the paint right there. I mean, let the, let the man just beast in the paint. He can, you play four round one, let him pick and pop with these guys. Like he can hit that. He can hit 15 foot jump shots. Um, Well, this is the problem. This is the major problem with these blue blood schools. Like, I mean, I even brought up with Carolina earlier. It's the same thing with Arizona. You're used to playing my four and fives. You know, I have a I have a power forward and I have mm-hmm. a center. And you and if you change that, you have to deal with the blue hairs that are coming in and saying, "Well, this isn't basketball. What's going on here? Why don't we have a big man out there?" Especially if you're getting out rebounded. But let me just tell you this: if you got DeAndre Ayton out there, you ain't getting out rebounded. You know, and and you're also right. you got a second guy off the bench in Ristic, who's a great player. I mean, I mean, well, let me not a great player, but I mean, he's a good player to come off oh, the he's bench. Good. Yeah, no, he's a good be, post player to come off the Ristich bench and is back very, up. Very, very good. Yes, yes. Yeah. He doesn't need to be he's out there with player. Aiden. They're he clogging just, the same space. They're doing the same thing. And obviously, Aiton's at a heightened level than he is. But it, I, I just worry about foul listen, trouble with that team. The main thing. He's got the same. Arizona has the same problem Michigan State has, which is. You're you're playing your best player out of position. Mm-hmm. You should not be for, you should not be fitting your players into your system. You should be fitting your system into your players. Yes, you know, like tweak. Sean Miller has been gifted the, the greatest player in the history of Arizona basketball. 
figure out a way to make the greatest player in Arizona basketball history ever of all time ever. Figure out a way to maximize his abilities. That's what you need to figure out. You don't need to say like, oh, perfect. I can take this guy and plug him in here into my system. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 Aiden was good at um I don't even, I don't even know what an example is, but if Aiden like made you completely just throw away everything you've ever taught for the entire year, you should do that. If like that's what a skill set calls calls for is like disregard your 20-year coaching career and f- that that's what you should do because he's that good. And and I don't know. It, it's it's very frustrating. I still believe in Arizona. The reason I'm so frustrated is cuz I think Arizona is still going to be reckoned with i think they are uh again if i if i have four teams i think have a have a realistic shot of winning a national title like they're within my four um but they just like they have defensive problems playing two big guys and uh as as much as as much as i like to put stock into the old mountain trip in the pac-12 they, they should not have lost to colorado oh absolutely not loss. absolutely and, not yeah and, so, and after anyway, a big go win, ahead we, we, your, we didn't talk enough about we got people coming at us about not not talking about the arizona arizona state game well it was hard to find that game in the first place but that was a huge win and for them to get a letdown loss right after that i mean that was going to be their run if they just had those three losses in nassau everyone could, everyone could write those games off and just let them you know climb up back into the top 10 but when they lose to colorado right. now they're hovering back in you know the late teens range and all the polls pretty much uh right. before we move on quickly my bad guy of the week Bruce Pearl congratulations first time that uh, Auburn's been ranked in the top 25 since 2003 Bruce Pearl goes to Auburn makes some changes drops some bags gets them back to relevant points in, in the SEC they have a pretty good team they knocked off Arkansas a team that I really like I think that they're going to be a problem in March for some team um, so Bruce Pearl I mean quickly just wanted to say congratulations on keeping the bad guy tradition up been doing it for a long time Bruce good for you 2003 Auburn has not been ranked yep 2003, first time, top 25. That seems wrong, but also completely right at the same time. It's right, man. It might, it may be wrong, but I think it's right. Remember the year that Alabama was ranked number one in basketball? Of course you don't. You were like three years old. Um, I think that was that. That couldn't have been 2003. Somebody listening will know this. I'll actually, I'll, I'll just look it up as soon as we get done recording. <laughs> Let me look it up now. All, all, I am, Alabama, I am I correct. Auburn's been basketball first time has been ranked in 15 years. I just fact-checked myself right there. Look at that. Are you looking this up? Hold on. Give me a second. I'm looking up the Alabama. When were they ranked number one? Yes. Under former coach Mark Godfrey, the team achieved the number one <laughs> national ranking briefly in 2003. It's a great year. So what the hell What the hell was going on in the, in, in, in the state of Alabama basketball? Auburn was ranked in 03, and Alabama was ranked number one in 03? What a season. What a season! A lot of bags being dropped over there. Well, look have you have you watched a single have you watched a single Auburn game this year? And are you going to? I watched them. I I, I watched. I've watched like highlights of them, and then I've watched like the last seven minutes. I've I haven't started from start to finish an Auburn basketball game this year, and I'm gonna give I'm them that. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it just for you, Bruce Pearl. Uh, just for all those big Auburn basketball fans out there, the Barclays of the world. I'm gonna do it. Why not? We'll see what happens. Uh, should we do shoutouts before we get out of here? Yeah, let's do some shoutouts. All right. First up for me. The Duke Blue Devils take a loss to NC State, and I just will say this right now. If you are an ACC basketball fan, you always know when Duke goes to Raleigh, Coach K does not have his mojo there. He looks a little lost. He looks a little out of it. It's like the ghost of Jim Valvano comes back and and is like, hey, Coach K, you stole everything that I promoted and preached, and now you're going to have to pay for this by losing to this mediocre NC State team. Congratulations to Kevin Keats, a big fan of the program here. And Kevin Keats, Gets a win against the Duke Blue Devils. All the NC State fans are happy. It just feels like destiny at this point. 
But Marvin Bagley Dude. is fr- is freaking David Robinson on steroids. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. I don't know how you stop that guy. He's so good. So Duke, I, I can't believe it took us this long to get to the Duke game, first of all. Secondly, a couple thoughts. I'm going to get this out of the way. The Sailor Hat logo, NC State, um, I tweeted this to you during the when it was happening. Should we say the best midcourt logo in college basketball? Oh my, I think so. Far think from it. Far from I it. Have, I have a strong, I have a strong uh, love of the schools that put their state outline, like North Carolina does, and like Ohio State does, and Indiana does, mm-hmm. and Texas does it. Um, it's called class. Handful others. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of that move. But NC State has the best one. The Sailor Hat, as I've said on this podcast many times, I'm a sucker for the Sailor Hat logo. Um, I feel like that was the difference. And it, it, and it feel it felt like it was bigger this year. I don't know. That was the first home game I've seen North Carolina State play. It feels like they blew it up even bigger. Maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. But let's move on to Duke Tate. Your thoughts on this Duke team moving forward? Because I continue to tell myself that Duke is still going to be the best team in the NCAA tournament. Like when the NCAA tournament comes around, they are the team to beat. They're still much, much better than everybody else. They're going to figure it out. They're going to start playing defense just like the 2015 team did. I, I keep going back to the 2015 team and how they sucked at defense too at this time of year, yada, yada, yada. But I'm kind of getting to a point where it's like, what if they don't? What if they don't ever figure this out? <laughs> well, you're falling. This in, is just what they are. No, you're falling into the trap. This this was the perfect. As soon as this game tipped off, and I watched like the first 15 minutes, like Torin Dorn's like diving for balls and throwing. You know, I was like, NC State's winning this game. It's a lock. It, it, Duke locks in and plays for big moments and big games. NC State, they do not care about. I've heard from plenty of players at Duke that they just don't really care about that game at all. NC State thinks that they are a rival with Duke, so they really, really care about that game. They really get up for it. That's what happened in that one. I'm just telling you right now, Bagley, if he's not the number one pick, it is going to be the stupidest decision ever made by whatever GM decides not to take him number one. He's unbelievable. And And he's actually getting these Duke qualities. So when you go to Duke, they make you do weird things to be like, off-putting to the opponent or like weird things now now he's like growing his hair out to look to look like a werewolf kind of he's like yelling after every you mean dunk. exactly yeah he's like you mean he has the exact same haircut that joel berry has oh no 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 it's getting it's getting long and deranged at this point like he, he's doing this on purpose to try to look like he you know he's Dude, a dirty player and all this sort of stuff he, he's falling into the trap and marvin bagley if you can hear me i know you're in the sunken place of duke basketball but come back you're, you're a great talent you don't need to buy into that system you don't need to go and slap the floor you don't need to yell and cry and scream you don't have to do that you're amazing you're amazing at so basketball we all saying, know it are you saying that uh there doesn't need to be a players only meeting no 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 nope. are you saying that like duke is fine they're, they're on the right track and they don't need a players only meeting they're completely coach fine. k doesn't need to take away the they, he doesn't need to take away the locker room and the 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 d on the chest oh my god does coach k need should coach k take his d away from the players or not Coach K's D is in a lot of places, and uh, yeah, Just, Coach he, K he, should keep he should keep giving the players the D. You, you think. <laughs> is that is that is that what you're selling me? Take yes, exactly. Interesting, exactly. As, Interesting. as is tradition, um, as is tradition. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma. We didn't we didn't really hit that as much as we should have. Um, Trey Young was was visibly frustrated. Javon Carter was was locking him up. Um, Trey. Uh, I'm obviously inclined to want to talk about Trey Young because I have two eyeballs and and I love Trey Young so much. Uh, I was about to say something inappropriate, but wow. Um, 
I I want to focus on Trey Young, but first I want to say Javon Carter was great. West Virginia is great. That place is impossible to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Country roads is is awesome. Yada yada yada. But Trey Young was frustrated. He played the worst game of the season. This was the toughest environment he'll ever have to go into. The toughest team defense he'll probably ever have have to play all season. Still scored twenty nine. So. Yeah. <laughs> Still at 29 yeah, points, and everyone was talking about how, yeah. how big of a letdown game it was. Uh, it looked like the guy from JV that gets put up on the varsity team because the varsity team is really bad, and then he has to be the best player, but he goes against guys that are older and bigger than him. I mean, Javon Carter, look, he right. was 30 years old playing against Trey Young, and, you know, he basically is at this point. But I, I thought Trey Young actually handled himself well. I know a lot of people were giving him grief after the game, but it's still 29 points. So uh, Trey Young is going to be fine. Were- yeah. I should say the refs were absolutely terrible both ways oh, in yes, the game. Oh, yes, absolutely. Like, Carter got into foul trouble. Like, the, the, Young got a lot of his points because of fouls, mm-hmm. um, free throw line, which, which is actually kind of normal for him. He shoots a lot of free throws. But uh, the refs were terrible that way, but then he was getting fouled even more and they weren't calling it. Like, the refs were just – but that's kind of like West Virginia – that's how West Virginia wins is that they, they make the refs have no idea what to do because they're fouling every single time down the floor. Yeah. And I, I mean that – I mean that from a loving place, West Virginia fans. That's your style of basketball. If you ask Bob Huggins, he will say the exact same thing. He will say, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to foul every second of defense that we play, and they're not going to call them all, and we're going to punk the shit out of these weaker, scared teams, and that's how we're going to win. And then you're going to, especially when you get in that home court in front of those fans mm-hmm. who are just out of their fucking minds yelling everything. And, um, yeah, that, that's like the craziest Craziest atmosphere if, I've ever seen. If, you, so. if you're a fan of Daniel Boone, then you had a good weekend with West Virginia basketball. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, Marcus Howard, we just have to give him credit. Uh, the Marquette Twitter account, we're big fans of them. They're big fans of us. Uh, he dropped 52 yeah, points all- on, on Providence. I mean, he's had some great games this year. He's a great three-point shooter. I think he led the nation in three-point percentage last year. Uh, Wojo gets a big win over Providence. You know, Marcus Howard is pretty humble after scoring 52 points, but I think scoring 52 puts you in the conversation for National Player of the Year, or at least to get mentioned. Yeah, he's up there with with Kata Bates. Do you up? Um, <laughs> Marquette Marquette is right there with Purdue. By the way, on my my weird fascination with like why there are so many people on social media and the internet, and mm-hmm. like I, I feel like I interact with so many Marquette fans, and I'm not really sure why. So yeah. I just want to say that because you mentioned the Twitter account, the the famous Twitter account that was tweeted. It's at run us last by year. Wojo. We're pretty sure we we haven't confirmed that, but we uh, think it's Wojo. Uh, a couple more shout-outs. LSU, Tremont Waters, hits a buzzer beater to to beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M. Did you see that shot? Yeah, was, that was awesome. It was absurd. He was just like falling. It was, it was a dumb shot. Um, Stanford's Dejon Davis uh, hits the game-winning three literally from half court. I mean, it wasn't even a three. It was a half court shot. And that was after McLaughlin literally made a layup, a no-look layup over the back of his head, gives him a two-point lead. This is uh, USC at Stanford. Two-point lead on a layup where he just throws it over his head. Two-point-some seconds left on the clock. Might, maybe even less than that, like 1.7 on the clock. And De- yeah. Dejon Davis hits a, a shot from literally right behind uh, half court. That was the craziest game winner I've seen this year. So congratulations to Stanford Cardinal and, uh, and to Dejon. Davis because that was insane yeah I was watching that live actually I have no idea why I was just like flipping through and I, I was like yeah I'll throw this game on who cares it might actually matter and then I, I saw it happen it was pretty sweet th- th- those those things are so much more rewarding to see when yeah they, when pack 12 after dark it, it was awesome yeah. yeah uh and then finally shout out to Ted Valentine uh floating the idea of retirement we're gonna miss you Teddy uh we we know that this is actually true and you're not just doing this because you're trying to make everybody feel sorry for you um we know that you're Listen, we certainly know that you're not playing Seth Davis like a fiddle yeah. and getting him to put you in headlines and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it, if, if you missed it, Seth Davis of The Athletic wrote an article, um, breaking news, Ted Valentine is considering retirement. 
Um, it's just too much to take. This is a man who went toe to toe with Bob Knight in Bob Knight's heyday. Uh, he gave Bob Knight three technicals in a game one time. He has seen it all in college basketball, but finally, the one thing that's going to break him is when people on the internet said he was a bully for turning his back on Joel Berry. Um, so I, I completely believe the story. I think Ted Valentine is definitely going to retire, and this isn't just a ploy for him to get into the news cycle more. And it's also a ploy for him to become the Mike Pereira of college basketball officials. This is a man, you talk about oh Google alerts. I mean, if Ted Valentine knows what Google is, he definitely has Google alerts on his name because there's no one that loves seeing himself on TV more than Ted Valentine. He's been doing it for a long time. He said, by the way, he said he took a, the, he, he learned the move of turning his back to Joel Berry in a conflict resolution class that he took. <laughs> Oh my god. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's great. Unbe- the, I had so many thoughts. Um so yeah, shout out Ted Valentine. He was supposed to call the Ohio State Michigan State game and they took him off of it because he's and, he sucks. And let's be honest, if he did Teddy V doing Teddy V things. If he did call that game, I think Ohio State loses. Uh and that's how much Probably of an impact right. t- Ted Valentine can have on a game because that's what he lives for. Um let's do some closeouts. Uh college football national championship game. We got Georgia, Alabama. Do you care? Are you gonna watch? And can we just say that the BCS system may have been better than this new crappy system, but it's always a bad system in college football. Dude, listen. First of all, everyone listening to this, the game already happened last night. I just I, I put this on our notes tape because of this. Oh yeah, I forgot. The system is terrible. The system, the college football. I I just want to point out to everyone listening that if you notice, the NCAA does not crown a national champion in college football. The 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 wording is the college football playoff champion. They don't ever say NCAA champion in football. And I just I just want to point out how absurd it is that last night. Last night, as in, we're running this on Tuesday morning. So last night, either Alabama or Georgia, whoever won the game, won the college football national champion. They are not NCAA national champions, and th- this is the biggest college sport in the in the country. It it blows my mind how how we've arrived at this point where we're still like arguing, where you still have like UCF out on the fringes, like, no, we're the national champions, and people are like, well, maybe they are. Who really knows? What what is happening? What is happening is a lot of money is being made. Kendrick Lamar is performing at halftime. Uh, it's it's just too much money uh, being poured in. And I honestly, I saw them like the PlayStation had like a whole setup for all the players, and they're just playing all these video games as themselves. And I was like, this is so messed up. So who cares? Uh, college basketball is better. Enjoy the tournament. We'll see you in March. Uh, we got games to look forward to this weekend. Uh, Texas Tech at Oklahoma uh, tonight, Tuesday night. That's on ESPNU at 7 Eastern. Uh, Trey Young taking on the number eight team in the nation. That should be fun. Yeah, that will be fun. Texas Tech plays amazing defense. This is like the the another test for Trey Young. He's not going to have a ton of them in the Big 12, I don't think. Uh, but this is one of them. West Virginia was one of them. So if if he can put up some numbers here, then um, the sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah, and we got Purdue at Michigan also tonight. Uh, and that's on ESPN at 9 Eastern. That'll be, I think that's a little bit of an underrated game at this point. And my favorite part when they do like the promos for this game, they had this picture of Wagner from Michigan and his hair. I don't know if his hair looks like that now, but it might have just been while he was actually dribbling. It's a ridiculous look. I mean, it's like sticking straight up. It looks like alfalfa on another level. Uh, you should check that out if you haven't seen it. I'm sure they'll run the promos uh, before the game actually happens. So shout out to Wagner. That'll be a fun game. Haas versus Wagner. That's, uh, that's great for all the German fans out there. Um, and then last one, we got Xavier at Villanova. Big East showdown Wednesday night on FS1. The, the esteemed F- FS1 at 8 Eastern. Um, that's, that's probably the biggest game. Could have been number one versus number two if Xavier didn't blow it against Providence. Yep. Come on, Chris Mack. What might have been? Come on, Chris Mack. Give us what some give us some ratings so. on FS1 for once. Come on. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? 
Uh, no, I just want to say that Ohio State, is, again, is going to win the national championship, um, and Kata Bates-Diop is the best player in the country, and I just want to reiterate that. That's it. That's all I have to say, Tate. This was, this was, I've been looking forward to this moment for a very long time where I could be excited about Ohio State basketball, um, and I'm on cloud nine right now, and we're going all the way, so that's that. Way to go, Ohio State. You did it. Uh, this has been another edition of One Shining Podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Tate Frazier at Tate Frazier. That is Mark Titus at Club Trillion. Go check us out at One Shining Pod. We're always tweeting stuff, trying to have fun. Please reach out to us with your good guys and bad guys and cow guys of the week. We will be back Friday. Save the crew. Save the crew.